to get the crime writers on after show right now go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media i'm rebecca lavoy and this is crime writers on Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, he executed a decades-long con, controlling and fleecing eight people. Is he at it again? We'll talk about the Netflix series, The Puppet Master. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, host of These Are Their Stories podcast and the puppet master to my heart, my husband, Kevin Flint. Hello, Kevin. So am I Geppetto or... Yes. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> Come here, little boy. Well, that's you are weird. the love of my life and, um, you know, the puppet master to my heart. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of Dead on Deadline, the puppet master of her tiny town of Exeter, New Hampshire, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Oh, I like being the puppet. Actually, I kind of am the puppet master yes. now, Rebecca. I, yeah. I have a little office downtown, and it's becoming the hub of town news. You did not need an office. <laughs> Just I'm going to throw I it out there. I love my. It's the clubhouse, Rebecca. Yeah. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon deep dive book club podcast host. The puppet master of nothing, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hey, Rebecca. I didn't want to accuse you of being the puppet master of something. I just knew you would refute it immediately because you're cynical. So I just want, <laughs> I don't want you to think that I don't think you are actually, you know, marionetting things. I just didn't want to accuse you of it publicly and have you, you know, undercut it with some cynicism. Okay. That's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kevin, we have a kind of complicated review to do right now. So should we just get right into it? It's complicated to review it? Well, I don't know if it's complicated to review. Well, we just do it like we do it all, every week. But we it just certainly talk about is stuff a and... convoluted story. I, well, okay. Let's not spoil it for All everybody. right. Let's get to it. Imagine the camera's your mom. <clears throat> mom, if you are watching this. You should know that no matter what happens, we will always be there for you. The Cliftons have not seen their mother in years. She ran off with David, the boyfriend who controlled her money and her life. What's his connection to Rob, a supposed MI5 agent who in 1996 took a trio of college kids into hiding, claiming they'd been targeted by IRA assassins? Rob said that you have to stay here because you're involved in something that's going to put you and your family in danger. Police on two continents are pulled into the case, pursuing the mastermind behind an elaborate long-term scheme of coercion, deception, and fraud. If he was in one town, he wouldn't withdraw any cash from his bank accounts. He'd drive to another town. He would use aliases. They wouldn't register under their true names. We couldn't find Kim and Freeguard, so it was time to lure them to us. From Netflix, The Puppet Master, Hunting the Con Man, looks back at the exploits of Robert Freeguard, accused of controlling, conning, and fleecing several women. Told largely by his victims, the docuseries also looks at the present day and asks whether he's up to his old tricks. 
Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from The Puppet Master. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. One other disclosure, I am the host of Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast. We have not yet done a show about The Puppet Master. Regardless, my review has not been influenced by that gig. All right, Lara Bricker, the first note that you sent me, which kind of surprised me about Freeguard himself, is that he looks normal. Uh, what do you think a guy who cons <laughs> people into believing he's an MI5 gets them to go on the run from the IRA for 10 years and can con multiple women into getting relationships with him, having children with him, and giving them all their money? Uh, what do you think that guy is supposed to look like? Well, I guess part of the reason I said he looks normal is because you look at this 10-year ordeal that Sarah Smith goes through with this guy, and you're thinking... Wow, he must look like James Bond or or be super charismatic or something to have somebody there all the time. And you look at him and he's just kind of like a normal looking guy. So I think what I was thinking about as I was thinking is like he could be like any man. And I think that to me, it's like the dateline factor when we all watch Dateline and think, this could be me. Would I have been sucked in too? Because he just looks like somebody that you would meet that you might already know. He doesn't look like anything. I mean, he doesn't look like a secret super spy to me, which is sad because, you know, that would be exciting, but clearly not. You know, I think the fact that he's able to look normal, he sort of like infiltrates or sort of ingratiates himself to these people slowly in a way that he kind of like baits the hook and pulls them in, but he's kind of unassuming looking. So your flags and your radar don't go up like they might if he was looking a little bit more charming, charismatic, I guess. So, Toby, what do you think about the opening of this series? Because we have the Clifton kids, the brother and sister, sort of talking about their missing mom. And as viewers, we don't really know what happened. What do you think about that as an opening? I thought it was good. I mean, it seems like there's two. They kind of open with that. And then there's almost like a second opening where they have the whole with the IRA. Mm. So I, I think they could have gone either way. But I thought with the kids... It was good because they're talking about how they haven't seen their mom in seven years and all this stuff. And it it gets you asking, I think, the questions that the show wants you to ask right off the bat. And I think both the kids are are sort of appealing. It's very hard after seven years, seven years. I don't even know. Do you think mom would recognize us? Would we recognize her? It's had an effect on them, and they're able to kind of talk about it in a way that I thought was pretty compelling. And at least for me, it just kind of sucked me right in. So I was I was ready to find out what was going on. Now, Kevin, that does sort of open the series like there's a mystery here, but we don't quite know what it is as viewers. And it's a little bit like disorienting, right? Uh, yeah. You know, look, when we see something like this, we know that... It's, uh, you know, it's a crime and it's not a surprise that there's going to be a con man because we've seen the title. Right. But I still think that the way they started off where we are in present day and, you know, we don't know much about we don't get mom's name. Really, we just know there's a David. And then there's this flashback sort of to 1996. You know, we're still trying to put together the pieces of the story. So that that makes it surprising. And. I think the great thing that sort of connected this was this odd fact, which is the driver of the car would play Duran Duran. (laughs) 
ordinary world. Very strange. What a yeah, strange a pick. I absolutely despised Duran Duran. Rob played ordinary world non-stop. It would finish. He'd play it again. It would finish. He'd play it again. What a strange Duran Duran pick, though, right? I would have picked, you know... Hungry Like a Wolf? Maybe Rio? Yeah, Rio would have been Rio, Girls on Film, something like that. You know, I, I don't think I would have gone with their eighth... A babe, ballad? A ballad. Yeah. Yeah, you know? Do, 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 do. Anyway, that, that, that's a great little thing. You're like, oh, okay. So it because of that clue, you're like, ah, this guy is that guy. And I just thought that was, that was clever. Because a lot of ways you could have done that. But to kind of, you know, keep the story about Rob and he's a bartender and now he's with MI5 and there's IRA stuff. Blah, blah, blah. That's the one like key that unlocks the, the idea that this timeline, this story is related to the present day one. So we get a big part of the story at the in the first episode through this guy, John, and through Sarah Smith, who talk about their time at college with Freeguard and how he convinces them to go on this road trip by telling them that they're in danger from the IRA. And Sarah tells us that this is going to lead to a decade-long, life-altering odyssey. Now, I find this... I mean, I don't find it difficult to believe that they went because I have come to believe watching lots and lots and lots of documentaries like this, listening to podcasts about this. Like, I don't blame the people who get taken in by these guys because I've just come to realize guys who are good at this are good at this. And like, far be it for me to say that I would not get sucked in because people who are good at this are good at this, period. That being said, 10 years is an fucking awful Mm. long time to be taken on a road trip traveling up and down the British Isles like Harry Potter and friends escaping from the (laughs) Death Eaters in those last two movie installments. Toby has no idea what you're talking about, but proceed. (laughs) Um, Laura, were you surprised just to hear about just sort of the scope of that particular story and how long? I mean, we know that he committed multiple grifts in that same time period, but that is a very long time to keep two people, especially Sarah, who was in it for the entire time, in that thrall. Oh, yeah. And I think Sarah's story was like, I say it kind of like packs a punch. I mean, her story was the fact that we're hearing from her and we're listening to, you know, how it happened, how she got into it with her uh, her college boyfriend and 10 years. And I think that when you think about 10 years and you think what it would take somebody to believe that for 10 years, but, it, you know, it starts out, I wouldn't say very innocently, but it starts out like you can see, okay, um, this guy was selling guns and now he's got to get out of town. And then the next thing they know, like, oh, this guy has cancer. That's tremendous. And not only 10 years, that that's not a short period of time to be going around into these, quote, safe houses with like newspaper over the windows and padlocking of the door. And um, we have to change our appearance and get out of town because they're watching us. You know, you can see how after a while, this facade and this this fake world that he created really became real because, you know, when you're living in those type of situations and he's just continuing on, you know, I think that's about when I started to think maybe something's up with this is like when we got to one of the safe houses and they're like, and then we did this. I'm like, something is a little off here. But when you're living it, you don't necessarily have that same ability to step back because you're you're in the trenches with this guy. That kind of comes up again and again, is that people who are 
outside of it, like look at what's going on and are instantly like, what the hell is this? Like the American woman who he supposedly going to marry, like her parents who aren't sucked into it can kind of look at it and pretty quickly be like, this is kind of BS. And I think it's the same thing with the kids. Once, once David and, and their mom move out, they're able to take a look mm-hmm. with a little bit of distance. Whereas before when they were part of it, they couldn't get that kind of perspective. And, you know, she talks about how, you know, she was just working all the time and she just weighed, he'd, he'd drop her off at work and then she'd wait and he'd pick her up. And then there's a whole thing with the, uh, going to her bank and she just like hands him over all her cash, like basically no questions asked. So yeah, I think when, when you're, when you're in it, I think it's hard to like kind of grasp exactly what's happened. You know, guys, what I thought was interesting is that there were no sort of obvious clues sort of earlier in the in the documentary that Robert, or I guess at this point David, might be physically abusing Sandra. She's the mom. Because that, that wasn't sort of the, that wasn't the MO that was presented at that point, right? His early efforts, like trying to separate the family from the father and then each of the children from the mother, though that is the tactic of abusers and, and of cults. And then when they survey the house and they've got like all these padlocks and the windows are covered with um, uh, newspaper. newspaper and stuff, you just get this sinking feeling that it's not just a financial danger that she is in, that she may be in physical danger. And then at this point, after this in the narrative, we find out about this whole incident where Sarah is locked in a bathroom. a bathroom for a really long time. Yeah, you know, it's like, wow, so this is this is more than just a mind game. This is more than just a financial con, that there are other issues here that are worth exploring. Well, Laura, this is like, I mean, I you see it at the beginning, especially, I think, through the story of the kids, textbook coercive yeah. control, right? You separate the person from the things that they love, you convince everybody that you are the only thing that matters. I mean, the kids talk about how he uh, made their dad the enemy mm-hmm. and alienated them from their dad. He, the dad became the enemy and like he was the good guy. So they ba- he basically became a cult leader of one in their family. So they were estranged from their dad. Uh, textbook coercive control. He controlled their whole life. He controlled their money. He basically took over the kids' bank accounts. He convinced the son there was something wrong with him. So you're broken. So now only I can fix you. Like that is just very, very, very typical. And uh, even with the college relationship, like he got them to follow him by saying, I'm dying of cancer. Like, yeah, this is something we have heard about over and over again. Right. Oh, yeah. And I think we've heard about it lately. I mean, we just talked about it in another podcast that we reviewed recently uh, with the catfishing podcast. And again, that was interesting because like this one, you know, that one was in the UK and and the laws are different around this and how this is viewed uh, from a criminal standpoint, depending on where you're at. But, you know, I think in this case, I mean, you see very clearly how Sarah, like particularly Sarah, is very honest when we see her on camera, but she's talking about how She's cut off from her father. She's not able to get in touch with them unless she needs money. She's being left in the house while he's leaving, while they're allegedly being chased. And after a while, that control has has, has basically taken over her whole life. You know, one of the things, I, like I said, I, I do think is interesting is depending on where you are, how that is viewed in the legal system and the criminal justice system and sort of what, if any, recourse there is when you are in that sort of situation, you know, and especially in a case like this. But 
yeah, I mean, it, it's it's frightening. And you see how it begins slowly. And, you know, one little move to pull somebody in can then just escalate into a situation where all of a sudden you're on the road for 10 years and think the IRA is after you or whatever. So it, it, it's just, it's it's scary how it can snowball from something to the point that this woman is basically not able to even get out. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Hey, guys, as long as we're talking about manipulating people. (laughs) Are we? Can we talk about what's going on on Patreon? Yes, this is a business section. It's a business section. I'm going to start that music. I don't mean to actually manipulate people, but to get people interested in our uh, Patreon, can I tell you what's coming up? Wait, you're manipulating people right now by telling them what's coming up. Potato, potato. (laughs) Yeah, what's coming up in our Patreon? All right, we've got the Crime Writers on After Show, which is out right now, and uh, we're going to be talking about the Olympics. Oh, in advance of uh, Thursday's review of an Olympics. Olympic-related podcast called Torch. Torch. Yes. And we had fun talking about the Summer Olympics, and I'm sure Toby has opinions about the Winter Olympics. Oh, he's putting these opinions about- I don't all, have any opinions about that. Oh, all things sports-related. Oh, I related. call bullshit. There's basketball uh, in the Winter Olympics, Toby. No, no there not. isn't. No? No, it was in that podcast, but not- Oh, I thought that was no, in a Winter Olympic sport. No. Why would you think basketball is a winter sport? Because basketball isn't really is? a summer sport in the United States. Do you need snow to play it? Do you no. need ice? Sorry, no, I guess it's I'm not just a... stupid. Yeah. Sorry, ignorant. Uh, we can we can we can talk biathlon or ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> the skiing, shooting one. I love that one. All right, Kevin. Yep. What else have we got going on on our Patreon? Uh, we've got a new episode out of uh, the Deep Dive Book Club. It's uh, Toby talking with Maggie Freeling mm. and Chris Joyner about these are not gentle people. By the way, they are gentle people, but the book is 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 nuts. Yeah. I heard you editing that today because you weren't wearing your headphones and you were editing it. And all I heard was Maggie Freeling. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, who is that famous voice? It's very exciting for me to hear that anyway. Sister, I want to tell you it's time. It's always time. Never, never not a good time to sign up for our Crime Writers on newsletter. It comes yes. out on Thursdays. Just yes. go to crimewriterson.com. It's the first thing up at the top. You can sign up for the newsletter. Also, while you're on that page, you can check out our playlist that we put together. Requests from listeners about their favorite 90s girl power music. Yes. I say girl. There's no I. It's all R's for some reason. And the the Cannonball by the Breeders got added this week by one of our favorite listeners, right? Yeah. Jeff Brumley. And I'm going to say that this ends the business section. Does this end the business section? Should I fade that music out right now? Let's get back to that discussion about puppets. All right. Let's return. Is it actually about puppets? It's about a puppet master. I'm waiting for puppets. I'm going to cut that string and fade that music out. Okay, so I now want to talk about my favorite person in this documentary. 
And that is Sarah's dad, gentleman farmer, (laughs) (laughs) Peter Smith. A farmer who needs a live-in secretary. Well, I think that we can all agree that when it comes to being a farmer, I mean, there are farmers and there are farmers, and I do not doubt that the Smiths have a or had a farm. Mm -hmm. I don't think that means that you can't be a farmer in a certain skill. And we watched Clarkson's farm on Prime. You can have a farm and it can be a whole operation with lots of staff and you can live in a fancy house. George W. Bush had a ranch didn't have any animals on it, but he called it a ranch. It was a yeah. farm. His okay. daughter was going to agricultural college. Clearly, there was a business there. They yeah. had staff. That being said, clearly, this Peter Smith was also a gentleman and a farmer. He also knew what the fuck was up because he had a goddamn murder board in his house following his daughter around. And rather than just being like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to cut my daughter off. He basically followed the goings-on for many, many years. Toby, can you please tell me what you thought about Peter Smith and his pursuits in this documentary? He was, like, definitely deep cover in Czechoslovakia during the Cold War or something. <laughs> like, he's, he's a retired spy. He's something straight out of John le Carre. I needed more evidence to get the police to help me. I was trying to grab every loose end that I could follow. And then out of the blue, we had this letter turn up. Like he should be the center of like his own show. Like they should like have a serial thing where he just like does his business. You know, it's funny because he he does kind of try to keep this facade as like, yeah, I'm just, you know, this farmer and, you know, I'm worried about my daughter and stuff. And then he's like, well, you know, if you're not going to break the law a little bit, you're probably not going to get any answers, yep. you know, and he's got the murder board and two safes on the floor. He just kind of, <laughs> yeah, he's got a safe. safe. He's got two safes, one that's one that's hidden. Um, <laughs> one that children yeah, don't I mean, know about. <laughs> it's like life goals. It's where I keep all my gentleman farmer porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that just opens up some images I don't want to think of. Kevin. Look oh, at God. the milkmaid. <laughs> ew, ew. Okay. Hey, let Toby okay, finish. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Toby. <laughs> I, I think I got I think I got my my thoughts out, but uh, yeah, he's he's quite a character. Alar, what were your thoughts about Peter Smith? Um, if I go missing, I want Peter Smith on the case along with Madeline Barron. That is <laughs> my dream team. I'm just going to put it out there. No, I mean this guy was amazing, and it's like he not only tracked her like a like detective, but you know for an extended period of time, and he he wasn't deterred. He wasn't going to take any bullshit. He was the legit one-man MI5 James Bond operation, not crazy jerk Mr. Freeguard. This guy was the real deal. And I appreciated that he was doing it kind of old school, you know, shoe leather investigation, not necessarily doing anything. But it, it was it was just, I just love this guy, and I would like to go hang out with him for a few days. You got to admire a father who will love your kid no matter what and will support them, and will look out for them. But I will say that if it were me, I probably would have canceled the credit card in a couple of days. 
Not after a couple of years. It seems like they could afford to absorb the cost. It certainly could have, <laughs> but you know, kind of choking off the the money means you know maybe you don't. Uh, I don't know. No, I'm but just... that that to me was the first clue that these were not simple farmers. That he was able to absorb the cost of all these hotel stays and everything, and he was just trying to use that to trace the trail. Where he didn't seem to care so much about the money. She seemed to care. Sarah was way more upset about the money. It seemed like it was her own money that ended up being drained, her own inheritance. Well, I, I think her own if I could get into Sarah's head is yeah. that there was pressure either overt or uh, covert from Robert Freegard to get the money. Yeah. And so she needed to do that in order to please him because a lot of this is about coercive control. I do love that John who was, you know, the guy first recruited because the IRA was after him. Allegedly. I, lo- I love that he just went back to his farm and realized, well, if the IRA actually wanted me, they know where I am. I guess the IRA was never after me. You think? Yeah, by the way, the IRA would never come after me, just in case you guys were worried about that. I don't think the IRA <laughs> is coming after you. No. I don't think that guy with the puffy hair and the uh, tie-dye that they keep showing in that picture all the time <laughs> is like really IRA. Uh, Toby, you, tell me if you got this feeling because I looked at the photographs of them in college and the way they were dressed and their hairstyles, and I'm like, that was all my friends in college. <laughs> the yeah, rugby I, shirts and yeah. yeah. That, guy, that guy's, yeah, he's not going and blowing stuff up. Right, he wasn't. Like, the, Rob got him to write down license plate numbers, which is why he thought the IRA was after him. John didn't do anything. No, but there yeah. was this whole thing where like the, the roommate, the roommate had killed himself. The roommate was the roommate was supposed to be an IRA guy, yeah, oh, but yeah, he, he wasn't in the IRA. He clearly Jesus. wasn't. He yeah. was just some stoner. But then they were using <laughs> news stories. He was using news stories to sort of bolster his fake narrative, yeah. right? That yeah. was it would sort of be like me saying, um, there's a conspiracy going on and every time the price of gas goes up by a penny, it proves that someone's going to murder you. And then like I'm like, look, the price of price gas, gas went up by a penny. We're all going to be dead tomorrow. Like it's ridiculous, like the way this guy was able to pull this off. Right? I guess if anybody was disappointed for peace in Northern Ireland, it was Robert. He's like, well, what the fuck am I going to tell him now? Exactly. No exactly. more IRA. Now, so Laura, you sent me a note that says the Clifton case goes to show that people just don't read the news or Google like they should. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, that case happened, if I'm remembering correctly, that happened after the case with Sarah Smith. And at that point, Freeguard has been outed. We know he is a con man. But he was using a different name. He's using the name of that third person that he... Uh, took from that college. Yeah, but I just feel like at that point, the gig's up. But I find it amazing that despite the gig was up, he was able to go one last time. I mean, good. that shows determination and stupidity. I'm not sure which, or just he, he's like, whatever at this point, what the hell, I don't care if I get caught. But I felt like, wow, this is, this is so ironic that this is happening after. And Uh, You know, if they were thinking, what's going on? I mean, I guess you could, at this point, use some sort of facial recognition program or whatever, and and most people wouldn't do that. But I just felt like you might have been able to figure this out. Now, Kevin, one of the things that did not feature prominently in this documentary that I was really bummed out by after reading more about the case, Mm -hmm. after we finished the documentary, was the Maria Hendy story. She was the third person that he took with him on this long like 10 year journey Mm -hmm. from college. And he's the person whose name he then stole and used to seduce Sandra Clifton. He had two children 
with Maria Hendy at the same mm. time that he was keeping Sarah Smith under coercive control and having relationships with other people, apparently, like around the world. Two children. There are two children in the world that are alive because this guy convinced three college students that the IRA was going to kill them and you have to run away with me today. What do you think about that? And what do you think about the fact that this was not included in the documentary? Well, I think this was a really good documentary in the place where it may have suffered, not fatally suffered, but it wasn't as good as the rest of it, were the places where they didn't get the real victims, right? A lot of shows say that they're, oh, it's about the victims, but they aren't really victim-centric. And here, for the most part, it is the victims who tell the story because they can tell their own stories well, and it serves the larger narrative. It's You can find out an awful lot about Robert slash David by hearing the stories of the other folks. If there's a point where it just kind of drops down a little bit, it's when they start talking about Kim Adams, because they obviously they didn't get her or her mom because we didn't see her. So then they have to lean on a detective from Scotland Yard and an FBI agent to tell that story. That's the third timeline, which is sort of between the, you know, the end of the the run uh, on the road. So we come up with a plan to a face-to-face meeting on the promise of being handed over $10,000. But it was a trap. Kim's mother, Anne, would travel to London and meet Freeguard and Kim at the airport. And the plan was for us to arrest Freeguard and rescue Kim. That part just kind of dips a little bit because I certainly like hearing everybody in their own voice talking about it. And like you said, we don't hear from Maria Handy. We don't actually realize her importance to the larger narrative either, you know, until afterward, until the thing's almost over. Yeah, I'm curious to know if, like, they were separated, Sarah and Maria. That's the the thing I want to know about. Like, were Sarah and Maria together when he had these two kids with her? Were they separated? Did he separate all these three people and was able to manage them at the same time? That's the stuff I'm really curious about. Uh, Question, um, I just want to know if all of you were surprised to hear that Robert Freeguard and Sandra are just out in the world showing dogs right now and that they were that easy to just sort of like track down and find. Did that surprise you, Laura? She's a cat um, detective. It does not surprise her. <laughs> uh, I learned this in cat detective school. Rebecca. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's like here's Bikram. Like all this horrible stuff happened with Bikram and now he's off in like South America and other places like teaching yoga classes. So it's it's just amazing to me that People that are like the ultimate con men that are able and con women, con people that are able to do these kind of things, just continue to just rebound and come back and uh, better than ever. And I mean, the dog circuit world seems like a prime spot for some people that, that you know, they could target to make some more money. Just just saying. But he's not on the run or anything. I mean, he's, no, but he's yeah, not he's on the free... run, but he could find some cash there. I mean, dog people, you know. They've got some disposable income, Toby. Apparently, as that woman had that huge list of like different things, and they're like, did you get any receipts for this? No, no, I, I didn't get any receipts. Who wants to take a bet on whether that email at the end that they sent to the producers that, that says it's from Sandra was really written by Freeguard? Oh, come on. 100%, right? 
hundred percent. It I was mean, written by him or dictated by him, right? I mean, yeah. she, like she's not even allowed to see her kids. Yeah, it's like bullshit, Sarah yeah. wasn't allowed to call her dad. We're supposed to believe that she's writing emails to produce the documentary. I feel badly for those kids. I really do. Oh my god, I feel terrible for those kids. Yeah. I really, really do. And I don't, I don't believe that those like legal claims that they're gonna like. I'm going to come after you because you're doing a documentary about me. Come on. Well, then do we look at Sandra Clifford as a bad mom or do we look at no, her as a victim, a victim of, of coercive oh, okay. control? Well, yeah, there you go. And both can be true. Your kids can be harmed by your victimhood and your kids can also be victims because you were a victim. That is the cycle of victimhood. That is what you see over and over again. Both can be true. I'm just repeating what I saw on social media. <laughs> well... Unfortunately, we do that sometimes. (laughs) Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Well, I think we should do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out The Puppet Master on Netflix? It's a three-part documentary. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for The Puppet Master? Um, yeah, I'm going to go thumbs up with this. I thought this was really interesting. I always love a good con man story. I always love anything that takes place in Ireland, England, uh, that that section of uh, not the U.S. You know, I think this was good because we had Sarah Smith in this, who was uh, one of the victims, who was very honest, very forthcoming, and and really sheds light on how a situation like this can play out over such a long period of time. But if nothing else, I think you need to watch this for Sarah's father, Peter. He and I are going to become best friends. He just doesn't know it yet. And I think he was <laughs> worth the price of watching this entire documentary. Toby Ball. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. I felt like it lost steam about two-thirds of the way through. I thought there was like sort of an extended coda, which sort of detracted from me. But, you know, I think the first two thirds of it's pretty solid. It's an interesting story. Uh, I've got some interesting characters. You know, they've got good people who they talk to. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, a moderate thumbs up. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm going thumbs up as well. I I mean, the first 20 minutes of this uh, documentary, I was like, oh, bring me the popcorn. I thought it was really well done. And then, you know, when you get little hints about the scope of what was going on, and how these different narratives kind of blended together. I thought, oh, this is uh, this was good because there are, I mean, we have really transitioned away from the murder scene and into the con man story phase of popular true crime. And you know, this was uh, this was a good one. It it wasn't just about somebody who was a bit deceptive. Uh, it was somebody that had a really interesting you know, story of their crime and what they did. So I was a thumbs up. Yeah, I'm a thumbs up too. I really like this documentary. I really loved the Clifton kids. I really liked Sarah Smith and I freaking loved her dad. Uh, For me, it's worth watching for those core characters alone. And this story is wild. Uh, If nothing else, I kind of went on a rabbit hole after watching this and learned a lot more about this guy and other things that he did. Um, If I have any criticism of this, I wish that the same amount of time had maybe packed more about other people had he had deceived and other things 
that happened to other people. And I, I know that they wanted to sort of stay focused on the sources that they had, but some narration, some screen titles about other things that had happened contemporaneously, I think would have blown my mind even more because it really is a mind blowing story. So yeah. Maybe, maybe the next donut shop podcast they'll have like We'll tell you about something exactly the same. Except but different. But it's exceptionally different. Maybe <laughs> no, they'll put it there. Maybe. All right. Well, thumbs up for me for the Puppet Master. Okay. So now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime, crime of, of the week. The week. Authorities in Great Britain put out an all-points bulletin for a robot vacuum that escaped from a Cambridge travelodge. The Roomba was cruising around the lobby on its appointed rounds when it wandered to the entrance. Normally, it senses the lip of a doorway and turns around, but this time the vacuum made a clean break for it. By the time the staff could respond, the robot had vanished. Some Twitter users thought the Roomba would be just fine because vacuums have no natural predators in the wild. Others were concerned because, as you know, quote, nature abhors a vacuum. Fortunately, the robot was discovered the next day under a hedge. Its battery drained, but it was otherwise fine. We're glad it's home because if not, that would really suck. See what I did there, Kevin? I did. Panel, the robot vacuum wanted a taste of freedom, but where was it going? Lara Bricker, what do you think? Uh, it was going to the car wash. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. I just have that song in my head. Working at the car wash. Well, that that's where it was going. Way to focus, Bricker. Toby Ball, mm -hmm. where do you think this robot vacuum was heading to? Uh, I was thinking the appliance aisle at Target looking for uh, stick vacuums. <laughs> Kevin Flynn, what do you think? Uh, he was looking for an Obi-Wan Kenobi. He had a message just for him from a princess. You don't think since he was in England, he was heading for Mr. Smith's farm to live the high life? Because that's what I think he was doing. He might have been going to a garden party. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you on Twitter and maybe say hello and maybe submit their pets to be a future pet of the week on another edition of this podcast, how can they find you there? Uh, they can find me at Laura Bricker. And Toya Ball, folks want to reach out to you on Twitter and confirm that Farmer Smith is in fact an ex-agent from MI5. How can they find you there? At TobyBallNH. Kevin Flynn, where are you on Twitter? I'm at www.twitter.com slash Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. That's me. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we play Duran Duran songs on an endless loop. Her name is Rio, and she dances on the sand. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. I was trying to remember something. Was it about was, loops? Now is the name of one of the things that we were going to reveal. It's Torched and... Puppet Man. Puppet Master. <laughs> Puppet Man. Puppet Man. Is it... 
puppet master or master of puppets? Puppet man <laughs> burning out his strings up there alone. Yeah, something I like that. I got no strings because I have fun. I'm not tied up for anyone. Wow. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.